the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Sideline Sanity with me, Michelle Tafoya, sponsored by Legacy Precious Metals. There has never been a better time to invest in precious metals. Go to LegacyPMInvestments.com. LegacyPMInvestments.com. Coming up, I am pro-choice with exceptions. He is pro-life with exceptions. We'll debate it civilly. Jason Whitlock is next. For nearly three decades, she's reported the action from the sidelines. She started very young. She's covered the NBA, NFL, Olympics, and the college football and basketball national championships. And now, during these insane times in our world, Michelle Tafoya thinks we need a serious dose of sanity. This is Sideline Sanity with your host, one of the sanest people on planet Earth, Michelle Tafoya. I remember Jason Whitlock as a sports writer, and then I was introduced to Jason Whitlock, the political commentator. Is it fair to call you that, Jason? Uh, I'd prefer culture critic, but culture critic, but political commentators fair. I, I still, you know, write and talk about sports as well. That's why I just think it's all the same umbrella. It's all culture, and that's what I'm trying to comment on. Culture, uh, culture critic. I like that. I like that a lot. And so Jason was kind enough to have me on his podcast, Fearless with Jason Whitlock, the other day to talk about an, an interesting interview I did with Lan- Dan Levitard. And I appreciated it so much. And I've gotten so much feedback, uh, Jason. And, you know, the one and only Al Michaels called me and said, oh, my gosh, I love this guy. And, you know, he'd known you from before, but this... This solidified things for him. But what was interesting is at the end of our conversation, I mentioned that I was pro-choice and you said, see, you're pro-choice and I'm pro-life and we can get along. And I thought that's what I want to talk to Jason about when I have him on the podcast, because the timing is perfect for this conversation. How did you arrive at your pro-life stance? Uh, it, it has more to do with how I was raised, I was raised in the church, and but not all of those uh, teachings fully blossomed in me until later in life. Uh, you know, I've always considered myself a Christian, but here in the last decade, uh, I really started leaning into the upbringing I had as a, as a young person, as a child. And, you know, just being on a search for truth, it eventually took me back to the Bible and my Christian upbringing. And so there's just a lot of decision making. I've kind of just surrendered to the Bible. And, uh, you know, so I don't have I can think about doing other things. I just let the Bible kind of be my guide. And so 
just right. as I've leaned more into my faith, uh, you know, I've become more pro-life. I, I have shared publicly uh, and did so again this week that, uh, you know, in my younger days, you know, 15, 16 years ago, uh, I impregnated a friend of mine uh, after a night out on the town. I did not know it at the time. Uh, she informed me a year later that she had gotten pregnant uh, and had got an abortion and told me about it after the fact. And, you know, when she told me that it hit me like a ton of bricks and, and it helped me along my journey of, you know, becoming more pro-life than perhaps I had been and just more conscious about, uh, the ramifications of, of, you know, an irresponsible sex life. This is a fascinating way to jump into this because she decided for herself, your friend, that she did yeah. not want to go forward with the pregnancy. She didn't tell you about it. Um, I, I suppose that's her, her decision as well. How do you view her, her view on this and her decision to not tell you and to go ahead and do what she thought was best for her life? Uh, it's, it may be the first time I've even thought about it from that particular angle uh, or, or even given it real thought. I, I think when she told me, I was devastated and hurt, confused, um, but, you know, I, I did not in any way chastise, scold her, criticize or second guess her decision. And, you know, a lot of that has to do with uh, the nature of our relationship between me and her and mm -hmm. and probably, you know, in the moment at that time, I probably thought she made the best decision for her. Um, and so I, I just didn't spend a lot of time second guessing it. And at that time, um, you know, I, I can't, I, I don't know if my thoughts on abortion were as clear cut as they are now. That's interesting too. Um, and, and I would imagine that whole episode helped you clarify your thoughts on it. Is that Absolutely. fair to say? Absolutely. Okay. I, I was I was devastated by how devastated I was at hearing the news. And what the, part of it devastated you? What what that she went through it, that you had actually fathered a child what 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 devastated you? Uh that I was taken aback by how much it bothered me that I had put her in a tough spot, put myself in a tough spot, even though I didn't know it. And obviously had, you know, she's going to live with that the rest of her life. And she's married now, has a kid, has her own life or whatever. But I would imagine she reflects on that. And and so I felt like I scarred her. I certainly feel like I damaged a child, uh, and and so it, just all of it seemed over. And just 
thinking about how different my life would be if I had a child and, and, you know, particularly now at my age, uh, and thinking about how much better my life would be if I had a child, I never planned on not having kids. I never planned on letting my career overtake my personal life to the degree and the level, uh, that it did. And, and I just, arrogance and not having life and right perspective made me value chasing a career more than chasing family. And uh, I, I don't know. I just, you know, I think of myself as a, as a good person that tries to treat everyone well. And I don't think I treated myself well, her well, and certainly uh, that unborn child, I don't think I treated, I just, I just wasn't responsible. It just, we, we, it was a night of drinking and, you know, again, I'm condoms readily available all, you know, there was easy ways to avoid, uh, not producing a child. Um, and you know, I wasn't mature enough to do that. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-702-5400. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in... Anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-702-5400. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-702-5400. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. It's interesting. A lot of young people are very fearful after Roe versus Wade got overturned, particularly young women, because of the exact scenario that you described, I think, that something happens, they get a little out of control, um, they they don't take the proper precautions, they find themselves pregnant. And in a position where they are not ready or willing to bring a child into the world and that maybe there are other things in that time that are more important to them than raising a family. They don't want to do it without a partner and they don't want to, they don't necessarily want the person who impregnated them to be that partner. And there's my phone and I apologize, you guys. I was bad on me, the podcast host and not turn off my phone. Um, so when you consider her position in that moment, and any other young woman who may find herself there, and granted, we all wish everyone would take accountability, be prepared, do the right things, take precautions, not be irresponsible, take accountability when you are responsible, are irresponsible, but accidents happen, and you've lived through one. Um, so I think, Michelle, how do you, you I, know, yeah, go ahead. I think that we should not be avoiding a discussion about responsible behavior. And so 
the mistake I made, let's say 16 years ago, you know, I was a grown, fully grown person. I was 38, 39 years old. I needed to be more responsible than that. And, uh, I, you know, not, I don't say this with any type of, uh, pride, but, you know, I've had a fair amount of sex. And as far as I know, only one pregnancy resulted from it, me drunk and irresponsible. It's, it's, it's just not as difficult to avoid pregnancy as we're making it out to be. It, it's just yeah, not. I, I, that I agree with you on. And first of all, let me just add to this. I should have said this at the outset. I'm very impressed and um, encouraged by you willing to talk about this story, being willing to talk about this story. To me, that's a brave thing to do and not everyone would do it. And so you're, you're being candid about it uh, is really appreciated in this moment. So I noticed an article yesterday that said that plan B is flying off the shelves now, right? And so some of the stores like CVS and Walgreens are having to ration it because they just don't have enough. They don't want someone coming and buying 50 of them and selling them on eBay, et cetera, et cetera. So it made me think that, okay, so there is an alternative, right? There's this plan B uh, pill. But my husband reminded me, he said, yeah, that works within 24 hours or something. But he said, it doesn't work three weeks later. And I said, yeah, but if you're going to have sex, you would know within 24 hours you had sex and, you know, you could take it. Uh, we, we have this discussion and, you know, life just isn't as perfect as we always want it to be. And I think women don't want to be held they're the one that really bears the brunt of the pregnancy. Right. And, and I think we can agree on that. And for it, it, whether it's not an ideal time, whatever the case may be, whether it's rape or incest, and that may be a whole nother discussion, but to the, for women to hear pro-life, I think, especially from men, they think, so you just want me to carry that baby no matter what. And to that, you say what? Well, again, I'll go back to I want to promote a discussion about men being far more responsible and that I get why women feel like <laughs> we have sex and then that guy gets to go home or do whatever he wants to do. And if he doesn't want to be involved with the child, he can make that decision and just write a check. That's an irresponsible mindset for men. And we have created a culture and an environment where women justifiably think we're not going to hold up our end of the bargain. Where you know, My dad, when I was a kid, uh, told me a story about the responsibility that goes along with accepting anything from anybody. He was telling a story about one of his friends going to a Mike Tyson fight. And my dad and him had his friend had traveled to big fights and big events. And at this time, my dad was flat broke. The IRS had taken his business and back taxes and all that. And and he was telling his friend William to go to this Tyson fight. And my dad was like, and the friend was willing to pay. And my dad, well, I'm not accepting that. There's a and he walked me through the responsibility when you accept things. There's a responsibility. 
And so I've applied that to everything. And I say to young men, when you talk that woman into pressure, talk, seduce, whatever, or maybe she talks and seduces you, who knows, whatever. But when you accept anything from anybody, intimacy from a woman, there's a responsibility that goes along with that. And you need to be willing to live up to that responsibility. And that's why you just shouldn't swipe right on Tinder and climb into bed with someone unless you're willing to accept all the responsibilities that come along with that. And a kid may be one of them. And so I believe there is a failure of men. We have been irresponsible. We have not accepted the responsibility. And so women do feel like, well, this guy can run out on me and never speak to this child. It's happened in my family. I have a, my cousin, I'm connected to even another thing that's in the news. I got a cousin that, uh, was killed by police in Indianapolis, killed by sheriffs in Indianapolis at age 26. He never knew his dad. His dad refused to be involved with him. His dad knew that he impregnated my cousin, who was like a sister to me, uh, but he refused to be involved with that child. He was married uh, and he wanted nothing to do. So he just never acknowledged that child. That tore a hole in my young cousin Anton's heart for the rest of his life. And it, to me, contributed to a lot of bad decisions that ended up putting him in jail, parole, and blah, blah, blah. Ended up, in my view, leading to his death at the hands of sheriff's departments. And so I fully understand the failure of men. My entire show is trying to have a conversation with men about our failures and that we have contributed to a culture and a society that thinks that abortion is a responsible reaction to irresponsible behavior. And the irresponsibility starts with us. If women knew that we would accept the responsibilities that went along with intimacy all the way up into uh, uh, a child, they would probably and maybe I'm generalizing about women, but I think they would make different decisions. Uh, and so even with my friend, I wonder what she thought I would do if I knew she was pregnant. Did, did she jump to the conclusion that I wouldn't want the child? I wouldn't be supportive of her? I don't know. And, and never got the chance because I didn't want to put her in that position. She had already made the decision. I didn't want to second guess any of that. So I never brought that discussion to her. But those are thoughts that have, have run through my mind. And that's why I blame myself. Don't I get her decision making um, and blame myself? One, you know, I was probably five to seven years older than her. Um, and I was more economically sound than her, you know, I was really successful at that point. And so uh, the, the burden was on me. And so again, the, the, the I get the decision-making of women, I get the culture we've created uh, and I wanna change that culture and, and try to get people talking about changing that culture rather than uh, we just need to keep abortion optional all the way up until the final trimester. I think that's 
a bridge that a lot of people find just too far that we we're having. And and I'm one of them. Yeah. Yeah. I'm one of them. And so when we come back with Jason, we're going to discuss this notion of exceptions, exceptions to what, what we believe the rules should be. Let's talk about that next with Jason Whitlock. Well, folks, since November of last year, the stock market has plummeted, but gold, now gold has been on the rise. Gas prices, I I, I don't even have a word for them anymore. Insane, a joke, whatever. The stock market is extremely volatile. Inflation is even worse than it was a year ago. And we've got this war in Russia and Ukraine that's now about five months old, and we hope it doesn't spread. Now, the markets, they don't like instability, but the good news is you have options. Gold prices are rising as investors turn to gold for protection. Gold provides a hedge against inflation, and it protects against a weakening dollar. Legacy Precious Metals. Legacy Precious Metals is the only company I trust when investing in gold and silver. You need an investment that's going to protect your wealth and your retirement. So call Legacy Precious Metals today. You got to be proactive while there's still time. Because remember 2008, those who invested in gold saw huge gains while others simply lost their retirement. So you can speak to an IRA expert at Legacy Precious Metals at 866-528-1903. 866-528-1903. Legacy Precious Metals can advise you on all your options for investing in gold and silver. So what have you got to lose? Just call and ask some questions or download their free investor's guide at LegacyPMInvestments.com, LegacyPMInvestments.com. We are back with a very personal discussion with Jason Whitlock that I didn't quite expect, but I'm over the moon we are having because this is a real life discussion about the responsibilities of consenting adults who have sex, end up with a pregnancy and then what to do. Um, And you've been so candid and I, I I appreciate it so much. And you, you've specifically talked about the role of, of men here and what their responsibility should be. So let's switch it to the woman's side. Now, young woman, um, maybe she's college age, maybe she's fresh out of college or in law school. She gets drunk and <laughs> she, she goes out and has a little night and, um, not with a guy she intends to settle down with, not with a guy she necessarily enjoys. Now we can discuss the morality of this, but we can't legislate morality. I don't think so. If this happens and the young woman and asp- let's just make her an aspiring law student, with a really bright future, finds herself pregnant, isn't interested in a relationship with the biological father in this case, and decides, you know, my only choice right now from where I sit is to, you know, abort this child. Um, Where do you stand in that position, in that situation? Let's say she's three weeks into a pregnancy. Adoption. Say again? Adoption. so she should have to go through with the pregnancy. Yeah. Yes. Again, I, part of the, what I've explained is like, I take some of this decision-making out of my hand. I don't believe in abortion. I, I do think it's murder. Uh, and, you know, that's part of my biblical worldview. 
And I think there are other options other than abortion. If she lives in the state of California, she'll have the right to an abortion. Uh, there will be other states, New York and other, you know, any, probably anything out in the Pacific Northwest. Uh, and so it's going to be a state by state decision. I right. agree with the Supreme Court that has said, like, hey, this isn't uh, a federal decision. This 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 should be handled by the states and should be handled by voters. This isn't some constitutionally guaranteed right. Uh, and so, uh, you know, voters will have to decide that. Me, Jason Whitlock, I think yeah. abortion is wrong. I think that if someone uh, like myself and the woman friend of mine, if, if we're out irresponsibly drinking and have sex or whatever, I don't think we should look at abortion. Hey, let's escape the consequences of our irresponsible behavior by killing this baby. I don't find that morally sound. Uh, I think in cases of rape or incest, it's a bit more complicated. Uh, and And maybe it's a gray area, but again, I'll go back to there is having a baby, giving it up for adoption. There is that. There is potentially nine months of inconvenience for nine minutes, nine seconds of <laughs> irresponsible behavior. <laughs> so from the woman's point of view, that's, that is a, that's a nine month inconvenience that entails doctor's appointments and a, uh, um, a bit of a stigma and maybe it changes her life. And this is a, you're pushing me back into the fifties where it's my responsibility to carry out this pregnancy. And the guy isn't going to be any part of this adoption process. By the way, the child may go into an adoption agency and not be adopted till it's seven years old, at, at which point there's, there's still some, some emotional, psychological hard. damage that could happen. Life is very difficult and life is filled with consequences and many of the consequences are unpleasant. As someone who's overweight and struggled with gluttony, there are consequences for that. I don't get to take some magic pill and escape those consequences. Uh, if, if, and I, in college, I can remember a night of terrible drinking and driving. I'm so lucky I did not kill someone, but it would have just, I was a great young person, great kid, well-intentioned. I did some irresponsible things. And if I had gotten drunk and killed someone and they put me in jail for 10 years, I couldn't say, well, it was just a little mistake. All young people drink and occasionally drive. I want to deal with those consequences of my irresponsible behavior. We, if we, this whole thing of removing consequences it, is creating this chaotic society that we have. And it's, you know, as a Christian, I believe the antithesis of Christianity is the do what thou wilt mentality that we have promoted in this society. Whatever you feel, do. Yeah. Yeah, I'm with you there. There is so much chaos. The list is endless. And it is because we have not put in place the proper boundaries. 
um, and consequences. I do agree with that. I want to get back, though, to something that you said before we, we took a break, and that is that some people feel abortion should be legal up to the moment of delivery. I, I'm not one of those people. When I say pro-choice with exceptions, I think there is a period of time that makes more sense than any other time. There, In some countries, it's 15 weeks. In some places, it's 12 weeks. Uh, I think some places, it's 20 weeks. When you talk about your Christian faith driving this this decision that you've made in your mind or this or your soul or your heart, just that you believe that it's murder, what about the woman who isn't Christian or or that is Christian but doesn't just doesn't agree with you on this? What what, what she gets you know, to she, make she a- feels yeah, well she does she get to make her own decision? She gets to feel however she wants to feel about it. I, I'm not in control of the laws. I, 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 you know, I don't say this with any pride, but I've also I've never voted. And so uh, I'm, Wait, I'm you've not, never voted, Jason. No, I, I you know, politics, I, you know, I don't I'm such I'm a weird person. It's like if you tell me <laughs> something, if you say if you say, hey, we're going to do an interview at such and such time. I expect you to do the interview at such and such time. Politicians say all kinds of things. I'm talking about Republicans, Democrats. They have no intention of doing it. And so I, I've tended not to get involved. The, the only person that ever caught my attention was a non-politician, Donald Trump. He, he And like him or not, and he is a bit of a jerk, but the stuff <laughs> that he said, he tends to try to actually do and I find it fascinating. Uh, but I didn't vote for Donald Trump. I, and again, I, I don't, I'm not suggesting that for everyone else. Uh, in these midterm elections, I probably will get involved because I think things have gotten so out of control. And I actually live in Tennessee, where previously I've lived in California, where, you know, I don't know if my vote actually mattered. Uh, and, you know, now, the years before that, uh, I lived in Kansas City, but I, I just, I just don't like politicians, and so I've tried to avoid politics. Things have gotten so horrendously bad that I've paid far more attention to politics, and I'm likely to get involved. I donated to uh, Kathy Barnett, I think, a woman in Pennsylvania that uh, yeah. uh, ran, and she's a survivor of. Uh, her mother, she was a teenage mother. Maybe her mother was 12 years old when she had her. I can't remember. Uh, but, you know, I donated to her campaign. She didn't, Dr. Oz beat her out. Uh, but that's as far as I've gotten into politics. A woman in Pennsylvania that wouldn't have been representing me, uh, but she did. I loved her at campaign, what she stood for, the family, the whole nine. That's as involved as I've been so far. And so I don't have a problem with women who or men who disagree with me on this issue. Their beliefs don't have to be mine. I I think that states and voters should decide the abortion issue. And I will go along with whatever the voters say. I won't adopt the views, but I, I just... I, I'm not going to throw a tantrum and go riot anywhere uh, because my vote 
or the way I saw the issue didn't get decided in my favor. That you know, maybe the most strident thing I would do is maybe move to another city or a state. You know what's <laughs> funny? It's it's funny. I recall being a teenager and telling my mom in our kitchen one day in California, "Mom, if they ever overturn, they threaten to overturn Roe v. Wade. I'm uh, that's the one thing I will go to Washington and protest." Well, I'm not there. And and this represents a lot of wisdom gained along the way, a lot of understanding of what just happened. They did not just ban abortion in the United States of America. And I think people who tell you that, well, they're 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 telling you not the truth. <laughs> I don't like using the word lying, but that is not true. That is not what just happened. And there are some states that would love to ban it or make it, you know, make it illegal for a provider to give an abortion. I'm with you. I, I don't ever see this as a, this was not a constitutional right. And there were a number of judges who saw that, including Ruth Bader Ginsburg, who saw this as tenuous at best in its polit- in its constitutional underpinnings. In other words, this was going to get challenged again and again and again, and it finally did. And the court had a makeup to overturn this. But that does give it back to the states. And as you said, we know which states are the likely candidates to keep abortion very legal, very accessible, et cetera. We've seen corporations saying, we're going to pay for you to travel so you can get an abortion if you need one, et cetera. I agree with you as well. There are plenty of ways to not get pregnant. Someone said this to me recently, Jason, I want to get your take on this, that the exception of um, rape and incest, and the reason I go exception is because if it's rape, does that have to be adjudicated before you can get the abortion. In other words, do you have to prove that you are raped? And does that have to go through the judicial process? And by the time it gets through that, it's a little late. Same with the the incest issue. Don't those things have to be adjudicated? So rather than just say those are exceptions, why don't you say the mental health of that woman who was raped or, you know, was the, the subject of incest, the object of incest, her mental health is what is at stake here. She should have the abortion. Well, let me unpack one. You know, as it relates to rape, wouldn't the standard be okay? You made a, you filed a report that you were raped on a certain day, so we'll have a police report and an accusation of rape, and therefore, okay, you can qualify for the exception. As it relates to incest, I guess that's far more uh, complicated. But isn't that really just a really small percentage of the pregnancies we're talking about? I think it's 1% of the abortions, I believe, is is what the... And so this is like, it's a semantical, it's, it's a debate about a really tiny issue. And aren't most of these states, even in the state of Tennessee... Isn't this really an argument about abortions after 12 to 15 weeks? Aren't most of yeah, these states, I, I mean, that, that's most of these states yeah. it'll still be legal to have an abortion up to 12 to 15 weeks. So I'm not aware of any state and maybe there are one or two that are trying to say abortion after one week or no abortions or maybe there's one or two. But the overwhelming majority abortion will be accessible again now if you're a really super irresponsible person 
And maybe you didn't discover you were pregnant until after 15 weeks. Maybe that does happen. I don't know. Maybe with heavyset women, that can happen. Maybe with women on drugs, that can happen. I don't know. But I just think we're talking about a tiny amount of people who feel like, hey, they've attached the right to abortion, the right to being the 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 decider of life within their body. This is the make or break issue that decides whether I'm free and a woman in America. And I just reject that whole mindset. That That's a game that has been played on people that the right to kill a baby in the womb decides whether I'm free or not and whether I'm equal or not. Um, that, that's a joke. And it's, 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 you know, the fact that we've convinced young women like yourself when you were a kid going yeah. up in California that Roe v. Wade is your line in the sand issue. <laughs> I, I just we've promoted. And again, I see it with 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 black people like we've drawn a line in the sand, like with we get to say the N word. That's very important to my blackness. And we take great pride in being able to say the N-word and white people can't. And I'm like, wow, that's where you draw your, your strength and power and feeling of superiority from your ability to say the N-word uh, and, and your power and feeling of freedom is attached to I get to decide whether or not this baby inside of me lives we've given people the wrong values and, and the wrong. And again, I, I'm, I'm a Christian. I, 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 the, the whole game that we've been talked into of seeing ourselves as black, seeing ourselves as white, seeing ourselves as heterosexual, homosexual, trans, we've moved away from seeing ourselves as Christians and I think that has contributed to much of the division we have in this country. And I, I go back to, uh, it's like when I was, our interview last week, when I was talking about like, wow, they really just didn't see Michelle Tafoya as a human being, as a woman. Right. They saw her as a political adversary. And that's why I don't like politics. Because I don't yeah. want that identity. I don't want people to, oh, there's that Republican. Oh, there's that conservative. I want you, mm-hmm. oh, there's Jason Whitlock. He's a little chubby, but he's a good looking guy. Uh, <laughs> he's a, he's a, he's a, I just, that's how I want to be seen as a human being. Yeah. And I think yeah. by taking my identity in Christ, it allows people, I want to be judged on that. And I will fail. I, I will, you know, in particular, there's a lot of failure in my past. And, you know, a lot of pictures of me doing things that aren't very Christian or I got friends that are like, man, Whitlock, when we was hanging at the strip club, I don't remember you, don't remember you talking about Jesus. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, you know, people change. And yeah. I think with um, maturity comes wisdom. And f- f- hopefully that continues. I do tend to agree with you. And I'm not an uber religious person. I was raised Catholic. I left the Catholic church when I was in my late twenties 
Uh, I went through an Episcopal church. <clears throat> That's where we got married. My kids have been baptized Lutheran. I'm not committed, but that I think all of that makes me in general, a Christian. I believe in Judeo-Christian values, but I don't judge anyone who doesn't. What I do look at it though, and where what I do see is this breakdown in morality. And oftentimes we found that morality every Sunday on church, in church, we found it in the people we surrounded ourselves with. And I think if we look at some of the most troubled people in our country right now, and maybe those who committed mass shootings or whatever they're doing, there's no attachment for them to anything solid. Uh, there's mental health issues, yes, but there's no there's no group that they belong to that is nurturing, that is supportive, that is giving them a moral compass. And we have sort of gone off on this, you know, just throw the morals out, do whatever you want, say whatever you want, and at anyone's expense. The other part of it, I think, is, you know, a hundred years ago or whatever, you worried about, can I put food on the table? Do I have a job? Can I raise my kids and put them in shoes and get them to school? That was what most people worried about and where the, the challenges were in life. Can women vote? That's another one that was, those were challenges. The more convenient life has become, Jason, the easier it is to ah, ordering food. It's going to be delivered to my door. Uh, I've got an app for this. I've got TV for that. The, the less challenge there is for people to, to look at moral questions, to look at questions of simply what their identity really is, that they are more than just a letter in one of those, you know, LGBTQ, that they are more than, you know, an Hispanic female, that they are more than these strains that they, that they've decided are maybe hurdles in their own life. And I don't know why you'd put those there. I don't know why you wouldn't just say, I'm a human being. This is what I want to do for a living. This is what I want to work hard at. Maybe I want to build a family. Maybe I don't. And that's where my effort's going to go. And I'm going to do the right things to get there. Michelle, I want to, I don't know. Do you like movies? Um, yeah. If you do, watch old Western movies. And, and yeah. <laughs> it will help you understand where technology has taken us and how we got to this transhumanist, nihilistic place where we're at. In term, because... When you watch old Western movies and you find out how rough things were before all this technology, yeah. it it made us need each other. Men and women yeah. needed each other to survive. And so, mm-hmm. and we want to apply all the our modern standards. Well, how come they didn't think this way? And how come uh, they didn't believe in... Uh, equality or whatever. And it's like, well, hold on, man. If you go back to their time where you actually had to go out and hunt and if you were going to eat and, you know, there were, there was no DoorDash, there was not all this modern technology makes things so easy. Men and women actually had to cleave each other, needed each other. And, and, and so in, in knowing how much they needed each other, They figured out how to stay together, form a family, because it was a necessity. 
Now it's government has stepped in and offered all kinds of replacements for family. And, and that's where a lot of this mindset of, of killing babies in the womb, no one back 150, 200 years ago, they wouldn't do that. They needed those babies. They needed each other. Oh, that was going to be an extra hand (laughs) eventually (laughs) on the farm and could help around the house. And then the other thing, I'm just eventually, if you keep up the kind of thoughts that you have, you're you're going to see the necessariness of religion, of Christian faith, because the number one thing they removed that's at the foundation of Christianity is forgiveness. Jesus died for all of our sins so that we could all be forgiven. Forgiveness used to be a primary pillar of American culture. Martin Luther King and the whole civil rights movement depended on black people's ability to forgive the transgressions done against us. And, and, and the whole, everything was about forgiveness. In this modern society, forgiveness isn't even an option. We cancel. You said what? You misgendered me? You used the wrong pronoun? You uh, called me some word? And we just don't forgive. And it's a joke. And eventually everybody's going to see the necessariness of Christianity and of religious faith and a return to a culture that forgives and doesn't cancel. And cancellation, uh, that is, abortion does. <laughs> Cancels, well, you know, mistake. Yeah, yeah, it does. I, I, I so enjoy having discussions with people who have a different viewpoint from mine. Because it's it's educating, it's enlightening, it's, we get, you know, we often sit in our, own little bubble about it and, and don't get exposed to this kind of conversation. And so I really appreciate this. And I, I, your candor, your transparency about your whole life and your background. I especially love the story about being in a strip club and not talking about Jesus. That one will stay with me for a little while. That, that image is a good one. But I, before I let you go, what is like, it, it, things are really bad right now. And it's scary to me, someone who was raised to believe this is the greatest country on the planet, and I still believe that it is because of the freedoms that we do have and uh, the values that that we share. It hasn't always been perfect, and it will never be perfect, but it's as good as it gets. And we've constantly improved and, and made life better for everyone in America. And what's what what's the one thing you would like to see people do to take a little more agency in the future of this country and making things better? Well, the, the, the thing I'm trying to promote is uh, male leadership and responsibility and uh, an acknowledgement. Again, I've lived a long time as a full-blown, unrepentant sinner. And I just figured out that that cannot be sustained. And, uh, you know, I've had to return to my faith and a biblical worldview. And I'm trying to model 
uh, a behavior uh, that I think all of us need to embrace if we're ever going to have racial reconciliation, if we're ever just going to have reconciliation and a return to objective truth. This secular society we have is demolishing truth. We can't even agree on what a woman is at this point. It's crazy. And and so if there's no truth for us to operate off of, there'll never be agreement. And I think uh, the biblical truths that the country was founded upon uh, at least gave us a platform to work off of and to engage with people. And it, it led to a much healthier society. And I'm watching, take someone like Bill Maher, who's really anti-religion. I'm watching him figure out that like, you know what, this Judeo-Christian stuff may be crazy and I'll never get on board with it, but it produced a better culture than this secular society. I'm seeing people like, and again, he'll never say it because it's too much of his brand is built upon taking a dump on religion. But I'm as I'm watching his conversation, he's figuring out like, hey, I may not be on board with it, but that Christianity stuff allowed for comedic freedom and all kinds of other freedoms that this secular world does not allow for. Comedians get canceled. They have to watch what they say. They can't speak uncomfortable truth. And so if I can see someone like Bill Maher starting to figure it out, Michelle Tafoya is going to figure it out and everybody else. And I'm just <laughs> trying to be a light and say the truth is on our side. And and we, particularly as men, we got to stand on some truth and be better so that, you know, I believe in male leadership. And, and I every problem I see, I see as a direct result of the failure of men. Wow. He is Jason Whitlock. His podcast is Fearless with Jason Whitlock. It is so worth subscribing to. I've become a huge fan of yours. And and I, I have to say, you have been so supportive of me and this change in my career. And I appreciate that. I really do. I don't know that I expected that. And to see it and to feel it is wonderful. And I appreciate it. And I thank you. And again, I say to everyone, check out his podcast. It, it is always worth a watch. Always. So I feel privileged that you took some time for me, Jason. Thank you so much. Thank you, Michelle. This has been Sideline Sanity. I'm Michelle Tafoya. So with the economy the way that it is, which is not great, Makes you think about what is smart investing these days. I was given a gift of gold by my mom. My husband and I were gifted some gold for a wedding anniversary and we're really grateful. And I am really grateful to Charles Thorngren, who grow, who joins us now from Legacy Precious Metals, a sponsor of Sideline Sanity. Charles, we appreciate you so much. You know, we're hearing more and more about how inflation ain't transitory after all, and it may be here a while. And you know, food shelves are getting, the lines are longer. It, this is really, it's not the America I grew up in and it's, it's worrying a lot of people. So if, if someone's thinking about investing, what do you tell them? You, you know, it's, it's an interesting conversation. 
investing nowadays, uh, we, we want to go back to kind of the basics, really, where diversification has always been key. And, and we hear it. You know, we've been told it ad nauseum, you know, diversify, diversify. And then everyone puts all their money in the stock market and wonders <laughs> why when there's a pullback, they're in trouble. Diversity means asset class diversity as well. You know, some real estate, um, some precious metals. These are the things that gives your portfolio the legs to stand through all the storms that will happen financially. And, and we know that they happen. They happen continuously and they recur. So that's what diversity is truly meant to do. And that's why people used to talk about diversity. So when people see the value of the dollar declining or they see inflation, um, how do you get the average person like me to understand that gold can still be appreciating or that gold can protect right. against that stuff? How, how does that make sense for people? You know, the, the easiest way to look at it is if you look at gold, right? Gold is the anti-dollar investment. As a dollar gets weaker, gold gets stronger. And we know that because it takes more dollars to buy that gold, just like cars cost more now, right? Um, anytime you have inflation, the item that you're buying costs more. The difference with gold is that it doesn't devalue. It's considered a alternative currency. Basically, when you say that I don't have complete faith that this financial system is not built on a house of cards or I don't have complete faith in in what the current Fed is doing to fight inflation, this is where gold comes in. And this is where we see people increase their amount of gold because a diversified portfolio should have some gold regardless. We need to remember that the United States Fed says 2 to 3% inflation is ideal. So that means for the average saver, if your retirement account's invested and it's based in dollars, that you're going to lose 60% of your purchasing power to inflation by the time you're ready to retire. And that's under the best of terms. And now we can talk about the, oh, it's transitory. Oh, no, maybe I was wrong. Um, maybe we need to do half basis points every month for the rest of the year and then see where it's at next year. These are scary things that mm -hmm. the experts are trying to tell us that, maybe we didn't have it right. And this is why people have gold and this is why it offers that protection. It's interesting. Uh, I, you know, I think people think, well, if I'm investing in gold, do I actually possess the gold in, you know, I have it in a safe. Do I have, how do you get gold? How do you keep gold? Right. And, and physical gold. I mean, this is what we do. So yes, if you're buying it outside of an IRA, we can deliver it right to your home. And you can put it in your own safe. You can put it in your safety deposit box. If you don't feel comfortable with that, we do offer storage for our clients as well. Okay. So there's lots of options. Uh, in the IRA, it's stored for you, just like your IRA account. You don't have access to those stocks. So if you were to take funds from your IRA, you could make that investment and you'd have the retirement account invested in the precious metals as well. And it would be handled just like every other IRA account. That's really interesting. And, and now I'm going to ask you a tough one, and I hope you'll forgive me, but I'm just going to be candid uh, and, and ask what I think might be coming to people's minds. Sure. If the experts in Washington are making all these mistakes or they were wrong about inflation, then they're going to look at you and say, hey, Charles, why should I trust what you're telling me and why legacy precious metals is the place to go. I'm, I'm asking this in an honest sure. way because I because I I know you want to be transparent about this stuff. So how would you Absolutely. answer that? You know, it really is. Is I'm not a politician. Um, <laughs> I have no desire to be a politician. I like what I do. Right. 
I help people prepare their finances. I help people with their retirements. I help people set up their funds so that their children and their grandchildren have something that's there. This is what I do. This is what I do for uh, enjoyment. Um, uh, very big in economics. Um, um, but metals is that thing that it's an alternative asset, right? When I was a stockbroker 30 plus years ago, it was unique kind of then. And then everybody was a stockbroker and everyone had stocks and there was nothing different. There was no protection. Everyone said the same thing. To me, it didn't make sense for everyone to be doing the same thing. If we all do the same thing, then we all fall together. And we know that if you follow the government's direction, you're buying into whatever they want to sell you. Now, it used to be politics was a little different. We've gotten into a place where we can't say that anymore. It's not always for the people. It's We see that. We see that what they're doing with the economy itself. We know that we have to have something else. And this is why we do what we do here at Legacy. And my history is is why people should, you know, give us a call, chat with us and see if it makes sense for them. Last thing I want to ask you about is I remember 2008 and I know a lot of people mm. do. And, it, 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 you know, that was a crash and there have been other crashes. But why is it that when the economy crashes, gold has historically risen? I know you said it's sort of the anti-dollar. Right. Is there a way in layman's terms to explain why that happens? It's it's the safe place, right? When, when there's so much risk out there and people are losing so much money, they just want safety. Mm-hmm. So l- let's look at inflation. We know right now we're running close to eight and a half percent. We can dig some real numbers out there and we can debate that, but we'll just take that number as it is. We'll use eight percent. That means everything costs you eight percent more this year than it did last year. And we know it's going to go higher because the Fed's already promised us a lot more interest rate raises, right, to fight inflation. But we know it's not enough. When they say things like, we'll try to raise half a basis point five times over the next six months and see where the economy's at next year, that in itself lets you know you need to find something that doesn't put your livelihood in their hands. They're, they're juggling an economy and the stock market, and it was never meant to be that way. So you have to protect yourself. And this is where gold comes in because it is the anti-dollar. The weaker the dollar gets, the stronger gold gets. And, you know, 2008, I remember after it happened, um, the people that would call and try to salvage their retirement accounts. And it was a very devastating time. People would call and they would be crying that they can't retire now. They have to continue to work. They're 67 years old and their plans are gone because they lost half their value. And that's devastating. You know, but this is where those who were involved in gold, they saw gold almost double in price. It offset the losses. It offset the losses. So again, Charles is not suggesting that you put all your money in one place, no. that not even gold, but diversify your assets and precious metals is a good way to go. And legacy precious metals is the only company I trust when I talk about and do my investing in gold and silver. And you can contact them as well. 
LegacyPMInvestments.com, LegacyPMInvestments.com. I don't know why you would waste another minute thinking about it. Just talk to them. I mean, just ask them, see what your situation can, can manage and handle and might require and just get some answers. Uh, Charles, I appreciate your time. Thanks for this. It's been very educational. My pleasure. My pleasure. Thank you. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.